Hello, campers. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a hello, darkness, my old friend kind of a day, as we were just discussing before we pressed record. And we were saying some really dark things (laughs) because we knew we hadn't already pressed record. (laughs) It's, It's good to just get it out, you know? Yes. But we're here... We've yes. made it 24. This will be episode 24, I believe, which is what? We did not think One we would make it we'll this far. One fourth of the way to 100. Yes. We'll be a quarter of a century old. Oh my old. gosh. That's really <laughs> exciting. Oh. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. And, and I cringe every time thinking about back to the very first episode. I oh know we're God. only episode 24. Yeah. And I loved episode one. And it was two parts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, loved it. I would never go back to those oh days my of God. the very first days. No. It was... That almost broke us. Like, it really did. But it, it didn't. We it didn't. pushed through. And someday, maybe for like... A 50th episode or a 100th episode I think it would be really I know you just said I would never want to go back and redo it <laughs> but I think it could be cool to retell the Jennifer Levin and story in a way and, that... and see how it compares to also I think like the new viewers or even like the our OGs mm-hmm. would deserve the best Oh yes. Yeah, to be able to tell that story again with our actual good audio and our voices not being shaking with anxiety. Us fighting over one microphone. (laughs) Oh my god. Speaking in it from the wrong end. Oh, I forgot we were doing that. Oh my gosh, I think I blocked that out. (laughs) Yeah, not realizing that the microphone only picked up sound from one Side. side, and it looked like. A microphone all the way around so that was we were beginners yeah um but guys where it used to take us a month to do mm-hmm. one episode mm-hmm. takes us an hour and a half yes mm-hmm. excuse me <laughs> <laughs> um, with that being said we have put a lot of work into uh, writing, researching, and editing the majority of our cases. But every now and then, we give ourselves a little bit of a break because researching and writing a case takes a lot of work. And to avoid writing burnout, we're going to do this week what we have I, did we do it once or twice before? I think we've done two other cases. Twice? Yes. But it's one we spoke of on the first one that oh, we did. Oh, that's right. Um, where we do a blind read of a true crime nonfiction article that neither Caitlin or myself knows anything at all about. And that gives you guys a great story and it gives us the experience of getting to walk through something ourselves for the first time and react to it in Mm -hmm. real time with you guys so that's just kind of a fun little way to spice things up and this particular article we're going to be going through is written by mark bowden who wrote um room 
248? Yes. Uh, the body in room. And then I can't remember that number. You might have had it correct. 348. 348. You were mm. close, which was a fantastic article. And, and we... an air compressor was not... <laughs> was not shown the weapon of choice <laughs> no <laughs> no it was not but hey oh, that's thank the god part of a blind read we don't yep. know what <laughs> we, we don't know what happens we don't know and uh josh my husband says when he listened to that case he said he called it from the very beginning he said he got shot through the ball sack <laughs> and i was like um first of all you didn't know no. that. Yeah, no. First Joshua. of all, we don't believe you. So he thinks he's an expert now because he's listened to our podcast. So nice try. But thanks for listening. Keep supporting Thank us. Thank you for the support. And subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Where money the will... the highest level. The money will go out of <laughs> our bank account, account directly back into our <laughs> joint account. <laughs> But it's the principle. Exactly. It is the principle. This is called The Case of the Vanishing Blonde. Here we go. After a woman living in a hotel in Florida was raped, viciously beaten, and left for dead near the Everglades in 2005, the police investigation quickly went cold. But when the victim sued the airport regency, the hotel's private detective, Ken Brennan, became obsessed with the case. How had the 21-year-old blonde disappeared from her room, unseen by security cameras? The author follows Brennan's trail as the P.I. worked a chilling hunch that would lead him to other states, other crimes, and a man nobody else suspected. Dun, dun, dun. Lights out, campers. Oh man, the mountains call my number one. From the start, it was a bad case. A battered 21-year-old woman with long blonde curls was discovered face down in the weeds, naked at the western edge of Miami, where the neat grid of outer suburbia butts up against the high grass and black mud of the Everglades. It was early on a winter morning in 2005. A local power company worker was driving by the empty lots of an unbuilt cul-de-sac when he saw her. And much to his surprise, she was alive. She was still unconscious when the police airlifted her to Jackson Memorial Hospital. When she woke up in its trauma center, she could remember little about what had happened to her, but her body told an ugly tale. She had been raped badly beaten and left for dead. There was severe head trauma. She had suffered brain-rattling blows. Semen was recovered from inside her. The bones around her right eye were shattered. Jesus Christ. She was terrified and confused. She bent English to her native Ukrainian grammar and syntax, dropping pronouns and inverting standard sentence structure, which made her hard to understand. And one of the first things she asked for on waking was her lawyer. That was unusual. Hmm. Miami-Dade detectives learned that she had been living for months at the Airport Regency Hotel, eight miles from where she was found. 
It is one of those crisply efficient overnight spots in the orbit of major airports that cater to travelers needing a bed between legs of long flights. She was employed by a cruise ship line and had severely cut her finger on the job, so she was being put up at the hotel by her employers while she healed. The assault had begun, she said, in her room on the fourth floor. She described her attackers as two or three white men who spoke with accents that she heard as Hispanic, but she wasn't certain. She remembered one of the men pushing a pillow into her face and being forced to drink something strong, alcoholic. She had fragments of memories like bits of a bad dream, of being held up or carried, of being thrown over a man's shoulder as he moved down a flight of stairs, of being roughly violated in the backseat of a car, of pleading for her life. Powerful, cruel moments, but there was nothing solid, nothing that made a decent lead. When her lawyer soon after filed a lawsuit against the hotel, alleging negligence, going after potentially deep corporate pockets, the detectives thought something was fishy. This was not your typical rape victim. What if she was part of some sophisticated con? Interesting. I'm already thoroughly confused and intrigued. I'm just hung up on a finger injury holding her up in a hotel for months. I mean... How... so? It must have been dangling by a strip of skin. <laughs> like... What? what did her job entail to where she couldn't have bandaged that thing up? Yeah. Also, aren't cruises, like, notorious for treating their employees like total shit? So you're going to tell me that somebody hurt themselves on the job and they're going to pay for them to stay in a hotel for It's in months. months. I'm, that's where I'm just, like, that information itself is confusing. Yeah, that and was the first sketchy thing. The her calling her lawyer, that's the first thing she says and asks mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And I don't, like, I mean, in my mind, I didn't think she was a part of a con thing. Like, that's yeah. not where mine's going. But damn, now I'm like. And if it was, holy shit. Like, her eye socket was shattered. She was violently beaten, raped, left for dead. I mean, that's. Method acting, babe. Yeah, that's. um That's rough. Yeah. If that was a con, I better be getting some hundreds of millions of dollars off the end of that. Mm-hmm. Well, the police detectives did what they could at the hotel, combing the woman's room for evidence, interviewing hotel employees, obtaining images from all of the surveillance cameras for the morning of the crime, going over guest lists. The hotel had 174 rooms, and so many people came and went that it would have taken months working full-time to run checks on every one of them. Something beyond the resources of a police department in a high-crime area, like Miami-Dade. See, this is where they just need to have a little program set up for armchair detectives like us. Mm-hmm. I will go through those lists for you. Yes. Just give us access free, to though. the files and we'll obsessively go over. Yes. The sex crimes unit set aside the file with no clear leads, only more questions. After several weeks, we were dried up, recalled Alan Footy. What do you think? 
I don't know if it's foot or footy. It could be either way. It's spelled F-O-O-T-E. Y'all use your imagination. Yeah. The detective handling the case. So the action was all headed towards civil court. The hotel engaged a law firm to defend itself from the woman's lawsuit, and the firm eventually hired a private detective named Ken Brennan to figure out what had happened. Foote was not pleased. It was usually a pain in the ass to have a private detective snooping around one of his cases. Brennan was right out of central casting, middle-aged, deeply tanned, with gray hair. He was a weightlifter and favored open-neck shirts that showed off both the definition of his upper pecs and the bright, solid gold chain around his neck. The look said, mature, virile, laid back, and making it. Didn't we <laughs> Didn't we envision him as Danny DeVito last we time? We <laughs> did, and then we were like, once they started describing that, we're like, oh, wait. Not Danny DeVito. <laughs> Not Danny. What Danny DeVito tries to be, but also... On my headstone, I wanted to say mature, virile, laid back, and making it. (laughs) (laughs) He had been divorced, and his former wife was now deceased. His children were grown. He had little in the way of daily family responsibilities. Brennan had been a cop on Long Island, where he was from, and had worked eight years as a DEA agent. He had left the agency in the mid-90s to work as a commodities broker and to set up as a private detective. The brokering was not to his taste, but the investigating was. He was a warm, talkative guy with a thick Long Island accent who sized people up quickly and with a healthy strain of New York brass. If he liked you, he let you know right away, and you were his friend for life. And if he didn't, well, you'd find that out right away, too. Nothing shocked him. In fact, most of the salacious run-of-the-mill work that pays private detectives bills, domestic jobs, and petty insurance scams bored him. Brennan turned those offers away. The ones he took were mostly from businesses and law firms who hired him to nail down the facts in civil court cases like this one. He had a fixed policy. He told potential employers up front, I'll find out what happened. I'm not going to shade things to assist your client, but I will find out what the truth is. Brennan liked it when the information he uncovered helped his clients, but that wasn't a priority. Winning lawsuits wasn't the goal. What excited him was the mystery. The job in this case was straightforward. Find out who raped and beat this young woman and dumped her in the weeds. Had the attack even happened at the hotel? Or had she slipped out and met her assailant or assailants someplace else? Was she just a simple victim? Or was she being used by some kind of Eastern European syndicate? Was she a prostitute? We don't like that word. P.S. Camping is canceled. Was she a sex worker? Was she somehow implicated? There were many questions and few answers. I used to be a cop and a federal agent, Brennan told Detective Foote, introducing himself at the Miami-Dade Police Sex Crimes Unit offices. Foote had long, strawberry blonde hair, which he combed straight back. 
and a bushy blonde mustache. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He was about the same age as Brennan, who read him right away as a fellow member of the fraternity, somebody he could reason with on familiar terms. Look, you and I both know there's no fucking way you can investigate this case, Brennan said. I can see this through to the end. I won't step on your dick. I won't do a thing without telling you about it. If I figure out who did it, you get the arrest. I won't do anything to fuck it up for you. I like Brennan. Yeah. Foot saw logic in this and did something he ordinarily wouldn't do. He shared what he had in his file. Crime scene photos, surveillance footage from the hotel security cameras, the victim's confused statement... Foote had interviewed a couple of hotel staff members, but they hadn't seen a thing. He'd gone about as far as he could with it. He thought, good luck. (laughs) The insurance adjuster had fared no better than Foote. As Brennan reviewed the adjuster's detailed summary of the case in early November of 2005, eight months after the victim had been found, it was easy to see why. The woman's memory was all over the map. First, she said she had been attacked by one man, then three than two. At one point, she had said their accent might have been not Hispanic, but Romanian. It's a little different. Yeah. There was no evidence to implicate anyone. Although, I mean, if her brain was scattered, like if they, if yeah, she had, it also like said she'd had a severe yeah. head injury. So, some people come out of head and like traumatic brain, traumatic brain injuries, speaking fluent French when they've never learned it. But like a for lick real, of it. yeah. So we definitely can't give her too much of a hard time for being scattered. But that still is weird to me, where she immediately was asking for a lawyer. Yeah. But again, maybe. And I apologize if I sound very ignorant. Maybe cultural differences. If she was Ukrainian, right. you, I don't know how legal processes work over there. But it, I don't know. Like it, there could have been nothing sketchy in it at all, and it was just like this is what you do immediately, right. even if you are a victim. Because, yeah, I don't. You, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I, know. Fuck, if I know what I would wake up saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. The hotel had a significant security system. The property was fenced, and the back gates were locked and monitored. There were only a few points of entry and exit. During the night, the back door was locked and could be opened only remotely. There were two security guards on duty at all times. Mm. Hmm. Probably playing Candy Crush. Right. What was it on 2005? Yeah. Yeah, I think there was Candy (laughs) Candy Crush. Crush. Yeah. (laughs) Each exit was equipped with a surveillance camera. There was one over the front entrance and one over the back. One in the lobby, one at the lobby elevator, and others out by the pool and parking lot. All the hotel guests had digital key cards that left a computer record every time they unlocked the door to their rooms. It was possible to track the comings and goings of every person who checked in. I didn't know when you scanned your card, like, they knew when you... I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, on the room? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Hmm. I wonder if that's standard or if that's... I don't know. I feel like that, like, could be a good thing, but also, like... 
Ew. I don't know. Yeah. You guys sleep with extra locks on your doors and hotels Poor and other places. Like seriously. Like there's yeah. Ugh. Those videos of like especially women traveling alone and they'll be like look at the room that they put me in they show you the mirror and they'll be like put their finger to it and they'll be like something's wrong with this and they go out of their room and uh-huh. then the next room like over that would be behind the mirror uh-huh. is an Im- staff only room oh my god no 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 mm-hmm. no i remember seeing because you know solo traveling is cool right now and whatever like do your thing that that's totally fine mm-hmm. but there was this one solo traveler uh instagrammer that was posting about mm-hmm. how she basically takes this like fancy lock with her mm-hmm. everywhere that she goes and she has one or two that she puts wherever there is like an entry access mm-hmm. that a person could get in anywhere that she's traveling any any hotel no matter even if it's like she doesn't stay in places that are really sketchy but still she uses that because she's like this is my peace of mind yeah. knowing that even if somebody tried to get into this room that had access to it because people have like hotel staff do have access that you are still safe and somebody people were up in her comments saying that she was paranoid and that like she was privileged and that she was right and that she was just like this is what's wrong with privileged bitches in america and i was like shut the fuck up like that's called common sense like I, I <laughs> and genuinely. This is why I got myself off social media. Yeah, I yeah. Can't do it. You're. I can't oh my do God. these dumbasses in the comments. Yeah, and I. Yeah. Okay, and so had she not used it, and she got killed, oh, it would have been her fault. Yeah, a, yeah. What a dumb woman traveling solo, posting oh all her God. stuff. Yeah. How is that privileged? Protecting. I, I know. Protecting yourself. People just like to say the most ignorant shit at every given opportunity pretty sure <laughs> low-income houses have bars on the windows for a uh, reason mm, yeah is that a privileged thing that's uh, probably i'm gonna get attacked that's for that, probably like, because they are smart thing <laughs> like, <it is. laughs> oh my god Gosh. rant over <laughs> anyway it's the rant over y'all buy the alarms buy the prepper spray buy all the stuff to keep yourself safe and fuck people in the comments dumb creepy people will be dumb creepy yep evil people always assume the worst like brennan (laughs) and brennan (laughs) brennan started where all good detectives start what did he know for sure he knew the victim had gone up to her fourth floor room at the airport regency at 3 41 a.m that she used her key card to enter her room at about the same time, and that she had been found at dawn in the weeds eight miles west. Somewhere in that roughly three-hour window, she had left the hotel. But there was no evidence of this on any of the cameras. So, how? The victim was colorfully present on the video record, with her bright red puffy jacket and shoulder-length blonde curls. She had been in and out all night. After months of living in the hotel, she was clearly restless. 
She made frequent trips down to the lobby just to chat with hotel workers and guests or to step outside for a smoke, and the cameras caught her every trip. She had gone out to dinner with a friend and returned around midnight, but she wasn't done yet. She is seen exiting the elevator at about 3 in the morning, and the camera over the front entrance catches her walking away. She told investigators that she had walked to a nearby gas station to buy a phone card because she wanted to call her mother back in Ukraine, where people were just waking up. Minutes after her departure, the camera catches her return. The lobby camera records her re-entering the hotel and crossing the lobby. Moments later, she is seen entering the elevator for her final trip upstairs. A large black man gets onto the elevator right behind her, and the recording shows them exchanging a few words. The police report showed her entering her room 20 minutes later, which had led to much speculation about where she was during that time. The victim had no memory of going anywhere but directly to her room. Brennan checked the clock on the camera at the elevator and found that it ran more than 20 minutes behind the computer clock, which recorded the key swipes, solving that small mystery. That's so important. Holy shit, because 20 minutes, like... That's also something on the hotel's end that is very, like, suspicious to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. After she entered the lobby elevator... She was not seen again by any of the cameras. What? The surveillance cameras were in perfect working order. They were not on continually. Mm. So Mm. mm. they were activated by motion detectors. Interesting. Miami-Dade detectives had tried to beat the motion detectors by moving very slowly. (laughs) I can just imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Creeping along. Or finding angles of approach that would not be seen. But they had failed. No matter how slowly they moved, no matter what approach they tried, the cameras clicked on faithfully and caught them. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's way better than what we always hear, which is like, there were security cameras, but they hadn't worked since 1987. They're just there for decoration. Right. One possibility was that she had left through her fourth floor window. Okay, so there's at least four floors. Yeah, I knew she was on the fourth floor, but, like, also, what ho- hotel windows open? Like, they oh, don't open. yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Because that's a li- yeah, huge like, liability mm-hmm. thing. You get yeah. like, a little red tape uh-huh. area. Huh. huh. Someone would have had to drop her out the window or somehow lower her presumably unconscious, into the bushes below, and then exit the hotel and walk around to retrieve her. But the woman showed no signs of injury from such a drop, or from ropes, and the bushes behind the hotel had not been trampled. The police had examined them carefully, looking for any signs of disturbance. Of disturbance. It was also possible, with more than one assailant, that she had been lowered into the grasp of someone who had who had avoided disturbing the bushes, but Brennan saw that such explanations began to severely stretch credulity. Ah, that doesn't make sense to me yeah. at all, like, that train of thought. Yeah, because she's not like an heiress to a multi-million dollar fortune. 
that we know of so it wouldn't there wouldn't be some weird like sting operation to go in and extract her and hold her hostage you know like that just doesn't that would require a lot of work and yeah like a level of planning people that but again hotel windows do not open especially on like higher floors well i guess these did because they wouldn't even have gone i'm gonna have to look it out yeah because i don't think he would have even explored that if they didn't maybe Hmm. (laughs) yeah but they really are like looking at every possible angle i guess that's what they're doing is eliminating one at a time and here we are damned if you do damned if you don't shit talking the investigators (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) sorry brennan sorry yeah i do like him yeah yeah i really do no brennan concluded unless this crime had been pulled off by a team of magicians the victim had to have come down in the elevator to the lobby and left through the front door Mm. the answer was not obvious but it had to be somewhere in the video record from those cameras needless to say the mystery here is how this woman got out of the hotel read the summary of the case prepared by the insurance adjuster. It was a mystery he had not been able to crack. Brennan penciled one word on the memo. Disguise? Question mark. Oh. He began studying the video record with great care until he could account for every coming and going. Whenever a person or a group arrived, the camera over the front door recorded it. Seconds later, the entries were captured by the lobby cameras and then, soon after, by the elevator cameras. Room key records showed the arrivals entering their rooms. Likewise, those departing were recorded in the opposite sequence. Elevator, lobby, front door. The parking lot cameras recorded cars coming and going. One by one, Brennan eliminated scores of potential suspects. If someone had left the hotel before the victim re-entered her room and did not return, he could not have attacked her. Such people were eliminated. Those who entered and were not seen to leave were also eliminated. And likewise, anyone exiting the hotel without a bag or carrying only a small bag. Brennan eliminated no one without a clear reason not even women or families. He watched carefully for any sign of someone behaving nervously or erratically. The painstaking process ultimately left him with only one suspect, the man seen entering the elevator behind the victim at 3.41 a.m. He was a very large black man with glasses, who looked to be at least 6'4 and upwards of 300 pounds. He and the woman are seen casually talking as they enter the elevator. The same man emerges from the elevator into the lobby less than two hours later, at 5.28 a.m., pulling a suitcase with wheels. I'm sorry, Brennan. You could have just watched from the... Like, literally, (laughs) after... Like, I feel like he could have... I'm sorry. It seems super obvious, but watch, there's going to be a twist. I know. There's going to be a twist. Uh, But yeah, we cannot say that he didn't do his due diligence. It's true. It's true. I 
I'm going <laughs> to withdraw myself. Continue. The camera over the front door records him rolling the suitcase out toward the parking lot at a casual stroll, stuffing an arm back into the suitcase. <laughs> Just kidding. That was not in the- <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> But probably not far from what actually happened. Uh, Anyways, scratch that arm stuffing part. But the camera does catch him rolling the suitcase out toward the parking lot at a casual stroll. He returns less than an hour later, shortly before dawn, without the bag. He gets back on the elevator and heads upstairs. Why would a man haul his luggage out of an airport hotel early in the morning when he was not checking out and then return to his room within the hour without it? That question, coupled with Brennan's careful process of elimination, led him to the conclusion that the victim had been taken out of the hotel inside the big man's suitcase. But it seemed too small. It looked to be about the size that air travelers can fit into overhead compartments. But the man himself was so big, perhaps the size of the bag was an illusion. Brennan studied the video as the man exited the elevator and also as he left the hotel, then measured the doorways of both. When he matched visible reference points in the video, the number of tiles to each side of the bag as it was wheeled out the front door and the height of a bar that ran around the inside of the elevator, he was able to get a close approximation of the suitcase's actual size. He obtained one that fit those measurements, which was larger than the bag on the video had appeared to be and invited a flexible young woman whose proportions matched the victim's to curl up inside it. She fit. (laughs) You have to watch Knives Out because the detective in that movie is Brennan. Okay. Like, Daniel Craig. uh I could see Uh it. Uh, I don't know why I haven't watched that movie. Like, after this. Gosh. He's like... She <laughs> after like measuring tiles in a video and like oh, he's dedicated yeah he is <sighs> he scrutinized the video still more closely watching it again and again the man steps off the elevator rolling the bag behind him as he does the wheels catch momentarily in the space between the elevator floor and the ground floor just for a split second It was hardly noticeable if you weren't looking for it. The man has to give the bag a tug to get it unstuck. (laughs) Just imagine the hand flopping out now. Oh, God. And that clinched it. That tiny tug. The bag had to have been heavy to get stuck. Brennan was now Mm. convinced. This is the guy. Brennan, I think we all knew it. But watch it still twist. It's going to be like the ice cream man. I don't fucking know. It's just full of books that he's donating to the local church. (laughs) Full of Bibles. Oh, gosh. (laughs) No matter what the victim had said, that she had been attacked by two or maybe three men, that they were white, 
that they spoke with accents that sounded Hispanic or perhaps Romanian. Brennan was convinced her attacker had to be this man. It was the combination of three fucking men going off the side, Right, so. 300 pounds and 6'4". Yikes. The detective was struck by something else. His suspect was entirely collected, cool and calm, entering the elevator with the woman, exiting with the suitcase, pulling it behind him out to the parking lot, and then strolling back less than an hour later. Ugh. Brandon had been a cop. He had seen ordinary men caught up in the aftermath of a violent crime. They were beside themselves, shaking, panicky. If a man rapes and beats a woman to the point where he thinks she's dead and then hauls the body out to the dump and out to dump it in the weeds. Out to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> he is a cold ass motherfucker. I mean, oh, dumped her in the Everglades. <laughs> I think I'd rather be in a trash can. Yeah, I guess that's true. Does he come strolling back in the same hotel as if nothing happened? An ordinary attacker would have been two states away by noon. Mm. Well, you never know with some... Yeah. What this man's demeanor suggested to Brennan was chilling. He's good at this. He's done this before. Oh. Ew. Brennan called a meeting at the hotel on November 17th, 2005. The owners were there, the insurance adjusters, and the lawyers. In other words, the people who had hired him. They met in a boardroom. On a laptop screen, Brennan pulled up the image of the large man pulling his suitcase off the elevator. He said, This is the guy that did it. That girl is inside that suitcase. There was some snickering. How do you come up with that? He was asked. Brennan described his process of elimination, how he had narrowed and narrowed the search until it led him to this man. They weren't buying it. What the fuck? Are they not the ones who were like on board with lowering her from the fourth story window and stuff? Right. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Didn't the victim say that she was attacked by two white guys? One of them asked. I'm telling you, said Brennan, this is the guy. Let me run with it a little bit. If you're willing to give me the resources, I'll track this guy down. He told them that it was a complete win-win. The hotel's liability in the civil suit would go way down if he could show that the woman had not been attacked by a hotel employee. What could be better, he said. Oh, I'm sorry. What could be better? <laughs> he said. Hey, you're about to go to New York. Channel it. Think how good you'll look if we actually catch the guy responsible. You'd be solving a horrible crime. They seemed distinctly unmoved. Look at how cool this guy is, he told them, replaying the video. He just raped and beat a woman to death, or thinks he has, and it's not like he's all nervous and jittery. He's cool as a clam. Tell me the kind of person who could do such a thing and be this nonchalant. I'll tell you fucking who, sidebar, Chris fucking Watts. Ugh. Ugh. Don't even get me started. Hey, there's the videos of his nasty ass panicky bug eyes Ugh. when he's watching the video and stuff. God, literally 
eat a he horse stick. Chris is Watts in the trash can. Yeah. In my gas station hell. Mm. With somebody shit stained toilet paper that they didn't flush <laughs> on the toilet. Actually, he's the cake. He's the shit cake on the walls oh, of my gas station in hell. God. There was some, this one last little Chris Watts comment. There was some interview that he did where he was like talking about how he found Jesus in prison. No. Like, sir, Jesus doesn't want even want you like no. i'm sorry I'm, no no mm-mm, mm-mm, like mm-mm. oh my god nope you lost your chance mm. <laughs> anyhow that's the kind of person that's that a case we a will thing. never cover guys i'm sorry yeah no we I... can recommend uh red-handed oh yes did an amazing coverage of that that's the only coverage of that particular case that I can listen to without completely falling apart because they did it in a way that was not like, I, I don't know, that I could cried, handle, but oh my but God. But they did it in a yeah. very, I mean, I, and I think everyone I've listened to has done it in a respectful way, but red-handed mm-hmm. guys, Yeah, I veto what, yeah. is that right? Do I veto? Does that uh, if you agree? veto something, you mean, yeah. that means Never you mind. cancel it. <laughs> I agree <laughs> with what Jen said. <laughs> you concur. <laughs> I concur. There we go. <laughs> we veto Chris Watts. Yes. Um. And yeah. Blech. Anywho's back to Brennan's. Uh. Happy hour. Yeah, Brennan happy hour. A discussion ensued. There were some in the room who wanted to find the rapist, but the decision was primarily a business calculation. Ugh. It was about weighing the detective's fee against a chance to limit their exposure. Britton didn't care what their reasons were, he just wanted to keep going. Old instincts had been aroused. <laughs> can we I don't like can we not <laughs> use the word aroused, Mark? <laughs> author of this mm. vanity fair article <laughs> just uh, you can't not <laughs> use that word it is literally only usable in a sexual con in my 12 year old brain yeah just i don't want to yeah uh, anywho i'm uh, but <laughs> now let's just start saying it like my sense of smell has been aroused oh when you walk into like a bath and body where it smells good my, I don't even. I my <laughs> mind went somewhere. I can't. Well, Brennan's instincts have been aroused. His old instincts. Mm, yes, yes. I just envision him sniffing like a sewer rat. For, I don't know, like Remy. No, not Remy. What's the rat from Flushed Away? Is that the oh, name, or just uh, Flushed or something? The little I don't remember British what his name rat. is. For whatever reason, that's what I'm seeing Remy as now. Mm. Remy, fuck me. Remy's <laughs> the other rat. Brennan. Yeah, Brennan. Mm. There we go. I'm sorry. No, you're good. He had never even met the victim, but with her attacker in his sights, he wanted him badly. <laughs> just I had to say it. Like- <laughs> There's, I'm picking up on some weird sexual tension. He's just like <laughs> foaming at the mouth. Maybe Mark has the hots for Brennan. You... <laughs> Here was a guy who was walking around almost a year later, certain he had gotten away with his crime. Brennan wanted what all detectives want. The gotcha. He wanted to see the look on the guy's face. Oh. 
I can feel that. Like I. Oh my god, the satisfaction. It was close, but in the end, the hotel suits decided to let him keep working. Having overcome their skepticism so narrowly, Brennan was even more determined to prove he was right. Mm. The hotel's records were useless. There were too many rooms and there was too much turnover to scrutinize every guest. Even if the hotel staff remembered a 300-pound black man with glasses, which they did not, there was no way to tell whether he was a registered hotel guest or a visitor, or if he was sharing someone else's room. Even in cases where they photocopied a guest driver's license, which they did not do faithfully, the image came up so muddy that there was no way to make out the face. Oh my god, then what's even the point of doing it? Just for like probably so people see you doing it and it's like oh they have a copy of my driver's license oh my god can we have better security please i really hope things mm. are better since 2005 probably not in florida (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of video there's a lot of shit going down in florida that's a lot of videos to watch yeah (sighs) so we went back to the video Now that he knew whom he was looking for, Brennan scrutinized every appearance of his suspect. At the elevator, in the lobby, at the hotel restaurant, at the front door. In one of the video snippets at the elevator, the suspect is seen walking with a fit black man wearing a t-shirt with the word Mercury on the front. Which meant nothing to Brennan. (laughs) It's probably... (laughs) It doesn't mean anything to me, but like I just imagine it's like a rap like a rapper or something He's like mm, no don't know maybe it was his own name <laughs> <laughs> love the 300 pound man and then the fit yeah like, his first thoughts were the car company or the planet or the element there was nothing there he could work with the manner of both men on the snippet suggested that they knew each other they walked past the elevator and turned to the right in the direction of the restaurant So Brennan hunted up video from the restaurant surveillance camera, and sure enough, it captured the two entering. As Brennan reviewed more video, he saw the big black man with the other man quite frequently, so he suspected the two had been in town together. The man in the t-shirt had an ID tag on a string around his neck, but it was too small to read on the screen. Brennan called NASA to see if they had a way to enhance the picture. (laughs) Fuck, straight to NASA. (laughs) Zero to NASA. (laughs) Can we just... What? (laughs) We are zero to NASA at every given opportunity. (laughs) I guess NASA is kind of just up the road. Caitlin, if you ever go missing, if you don't answer the phone, it's zero to NASA. Hey, my dad's old co-worker... Um, Miss Loretta, her mm. daughter works for NASA, oh, so you have a connection. Awesome. Okay, we have a connection. Mm, yes, we will be, we will be reaching out to that's, NASA. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's amazing. Gosh, he described the camera and was told that it couldn't be done. Oh no! Obviously, NASA. I mean, NASA's like, what the fuck is this? Like, well, he should have called the people on one of those shows, like. Um, what is it with the hot old dude? The crime show. 
the fuck are you talking about an NCIS? Yes, yes. Naval crime Yeah, and how they just like enhance, 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 enhance. enhance. Gibbs. And the, uh, yes, Gibbs. Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> so not now, so you need to go to the Naval crime investigation. <laughs> Zero to Gibbs. I'm okay with that. Again, back to the video. In the restaurant footage, the man in the t-shirt is momentarily seen from behind, revealing another word on the back of the t-shirt. The best view comes in a split second as he sidesteps someone leaving, giving the camera a better angle. Brennan could see the letter V at the beginning of the word, and O at the end. He could Volcano. make... <laughs> I was going to say... Vagino. <laughs> But then I realized that's the A at the end. G-I-N-O-V-A-G-I-N-O. Vagino, Genevieve. What the fuck? Oh, man. Really, my mind is immediately going through all the V. Oh, I'm like. Volcano is a. Volvo, if you're going for like. Oh, like Mercury. Because it was car company yeah i don't know, I don't know a mercury volvo i don't think that's a thing i don't know volcano on mercury oh yeah mm-hmm. that's possible true v there's no vista no that's vista i'm just thinking of words that <laughs> in an a and replacing it with the o i think volcano is probably the best one you said first thank you i like vagino though but <laughs> thank thanks <laughs> He could make out a vague pattern of script in the middle, but could not be sure of the exact letters. It was like looking at an eye chart when you need stronger glasses. You take a guess. It looked to him as if the word was Verado. It meant nothing to him, but it was his hunch. So he googled it and found that Verado was the name of a new outboard engine manufactured by Mercury mm. Marine, the boat engine manufacturer. There had been a big boat show in Miami in February when the incident happened. Perhaps the man in the white t-shirt had been working at the show for Mercury Marine. And if he had, maybe his big friend had too. Mercury Marine is a subsidiary of the Brunswick Corporation, which also manufactures billiards and bowling equipment and other recreational products. Brennan called its head of security, Alan Sperling, and explained what he was trying to do. His first thought was that the company might have put its boat show employees up at the airport regency. If it had, he might be able to identify and locate the man in the picture through the company. Sperling checked, and no, Mercury's employees had stayed at a different hotel. Brennan racked his brain. Had any of the crew who set up the company's booth stayed at the Regency? Again, the answer was no. Well, who got those shirts? Brennan asked. Sperling checked and called back two weeks later. He said the only place the shirts had been given away was at the boat show's food court. The company in charge of food for the show was called Centerplate, which handles concessions for large sporting events and conventions. It was a big company with employees spread across the nation. 
Brennan called the head of human resources for Centerplate, who told him that the company had put up some of its people at the Regency, but that it had hired more than 200 for the boat show from all over. Somebody has to remember a big black guy, 300 pounds at least, in glasses, said the detective. This poor motherfucker is getting Blast. basically everyone's. You just been called a fat. Has anyone seen a giant fat dude? In glasses. In glasses. Oh man, just like, like, he's like throwing damn. shade without throwing. If he turns out to be a piece of shit, I will I mean, not feel bad at all. If he turns out to not be the piece of shit, you can. Uh, gosh. Then we will eat those words. But <laughs> I just like, imagine Brennan being like, "So you got any 300 pound plus black <laughs> men that happen to wear sunglasses on your payroll?" Oh man, no. Okay, all right. I mean, that is a pr- pretty distinctive like memorable appearance uh all i see is michael or was that his name from the blind side oh yeah like this. yeah yeah he was a big a big, big guy. guy yeah a week later the man from center plate called back some of their workers did remember a big black man with glasses but no one knew his name Someone did seem to recall, he said, that the company had initially hired the man to work at Zephyr Field, home of the New Orleans Zephyrs, the minor league baseball team in Materi, a sprawling suburb. This was a solid lead, but there was a bad thing about it. Hurricane Katrina had just devastated the city months earlier, and the residents of Materi had been evacuated. It was a community scattered to the winds. Oh, man. Gosh, that's... It's incredible how he's putting these pieces together, though. It's it's so movie-like, again. Yeah. Like... It really is. Just, like, the calls he's making and the little details he's mm -hmm. zeroing in on. Mm. Brennan was stubborn. He was now months into this effort to identify and find the man responsible for raping and beating a woman he had never met. There was no way that what he was being paid for, the job, was worth the hours he was putting in. Nobody else cared as much as he did. What the hotel's insurers really wanted, Brennan knew, was for him to tell them that the victim was a hooker and that she had been beaten by one of her johns, Mm. which would go a long way toward freeing them from a li- fuck them yeah freeing them from a liability that Ugh. disgusting but this wasn't true and he had told them at the outset that the truth was all they would get from him detective foot was openly skeptical skeptical he had given brennan all the information he had he had more pressing cases with real leads and real prospects but brennan had a picture in his head he could see this big man with <laughs> <laughs> with glasses coolly going about his business day to day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Smug, chatting up the girls, no doubt looking for his next victim, comfortable, certain that his crimes left no trail. Katrina was the bad thing about the New Orleans lead, but there was also a good thing. 
Brennan had a buddy on the police force there, uh, Captain Ernest Dima. Some years earlier, on a vacation to the French Quarter with his kids, Brennan had risked his hide helping Dima subdue a prisoner who had violently turned on him. I swear to God, that last, my dyslexia, I read that last sentence, who had violently <laughs> turned him on. going to hell <laughs> i mean <laughs> everything else has been kind of sexualized about Brennan. i mean so <sighs> oh god the guy had broken away from me dima recalled and out of nowhere comes this guy in a black jacket flying down the sidewalk who runs him down tackles him and held the guy until my men could subdue him he was fantastic it was the kind of gesture a, a cop never forgets. Dima dubbed Brennan Batman. No. New Orleans may have been down for the count, but when Batman called, Dima was up for anything. <laughs> what is this? Brennan is like a really a, like a superhero. <laughs> the captain sent one of his sergeants out to Zephyr. Zephyr, okay. yeah. Zephyr Field where the club was working overtime to get its storm-ravaged facility ready to open the 2006 season. Dima called Brennan back. The good news is, I know who this guy is. <gasps> I know the 300-pound black man in sunglasses. <laughs> oh, finally a name. <laughs> What's the bad news? His name is Mike Jones. Oh, my fucking God. Gosh. So the John most Smith. Right. There's probably only a million of them, and he doesn't work there anymore, and nobody knows where he went. Oh, man. Still, a name. Brennan thanked Dima and went back to the Regency database, and sure enough, he found that there had indeed been a guest named Mike Jones staying at the hotel when the attack occurred. He had checked in on February 14th, seven days before the rape and assault, and he had checked out on the 22nd one day after he was seen rolling his suitcase to the car. The full name on his visa card was Michael Lee Jones. The card had been canceled, and the address was for a Virginia residence Jones had vacated years earlier. He had left no forwarding address. Britton lacked authority to subpoena a further information from the credit card company, and the evidence he had was still too slight to get Miami-Dade police involved. The phone number Jones had left with registration was a number for Centerplate. Oh, that, uh... Catering Yeah, company. the catering company. Okay. But the trail was warm again. Brennan knew that Jones no longer worked for Centerplate, and the people there didn't know where he was, but the detective thought he knew certain things about his prey. Judging by the nonchalance he showed hauling a young woman's body out of the hotel stuffed in a suitcase, Brennan suspected that this was a practiced routine. The center plate job had kept him moving from city to city, all expenses paid, a perfect setup for a serial rapist with a method that was tried and true. If Jones was his man, then he wouldn't give up an arrangement like that. If he wasn't employed by Centerplate anymore, 
Where would somebody with his work experience go next? Who was facilitating his predation now? Brennan got some names from Centerplate and went online and compiled a list of the food service company's 20 to 25 top competitors. He started working his way down the list, calling the human resources department for each of the competing firms, and one by one, he struck out. As it happened, one company on the list, Ovations, had its headquarters in the Tampa area, and Brennan was planning a trip up in that direction anyway, so he decided to drop in. As any investigator will tell you, an interview in person is always better than an interview on the phone. Brennan stopped by and, as he can do, talked his way into the office of the company's COO. He explained his manhunt and asked if Ovations employed a 300-plus pound black man. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) With glasses named Michael Lee Jones. Oh man. The executive didn't even check a database. He told Brennan, who was not a law enforcement official, that if he wanted that information, he would have to return with a subpoena. Holy shit. All the other companies had checked a database and just told him no. He knew he had finally asked in the right place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why would you want someone working for you who is a rapist? He asked. He was told there were privacy issues involved. Get a subpoena, the executive suggested. So... Brennan got a fax number for Ovations and called Detective Foote at Miami-Dade before a long subpoena spat from the machine. It turned out that Ovations had an employee named Michael Lee Jones who fit the description. He was working in Frederick, Maryland. This motherfucker's all over the place. Genevieve, don't call NASA. Just call Brennan for <laughs> right. me, please, and I will do the same. Zero to Brennan. Everybody, when we come up with our own, if you go missing folders, PDF, mm, free all to download, yes. we're going to have Brennan and his number <laughs> in there for you. Because yes. that should be page one. Brennan on speed dial. Gosh. Michael Lee Jones was standing behind a barbecue counter at Harry Grove Stadium, home of the minor league. Frederick Keyes, when Detective Foote and one of his partners showed up. It was an early spring evening in the Appalachian foothills, and Foote the Floridian was so cold his teeth were chattering beneath his mustache. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably like 62 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) When Brennan had called him with the information about Jones, Foote was impressed by the private detective's tenacity, but still skeptical. This whole effort more or less defined the term long shot, but the name and location of a potential suspect was without question the first real lead since the case had landed on his desk. It had to be checked out. It, okay, I don't understand why, to me, this is incredibly, like, compelling evidence and like reason to look into this person and that it's like the you know detective foot was still skeptical like that i just don't understand like Like, what have you done for this case exactly and all the narrowing down all of the little details that he zoned in on all of that 
like any one of them cha- using that to hang on to, right. I could see you being like eh, skeptical, but it's the combination of all of those things together. Like the security cameras, mm-hmm. the suitcase getting caught on the thing, the timing, the fact that he fucking got in the elevator with her and got off alone and she was not seen again. Like yep. it's all of those things that are s- telling a story and there's literally and nothing else it could be at oh, this point. No, so, like, why she's are a hooker, Jen? Oh, right, 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 right. She's right. a hooker. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's like, and at the end of this, again, don't know 100% mm-hmm. how this ends, but you know, Foot is going to get the case under his belt. Right. Like, Brennan, he's like, hey, right. I don't want this win. Like, yeah. you can have it, but mm-hmm. I want to solve it. And that's yeah. what it should be. At least Foot is, even though he's skeptical, he's following yes. up with that. He because could be dragging his feet. Yeah, they seem to have, like, a mutual respect for one another. And I just, like you said, don't know how all how that you could, could be not put in front of him and still be, be skeptical. Like, eh. Yeah. Like, eh, actually. Yeah. Hugger. yeah Yeah, because that's always just the first explanation Mm -hmm. that anyone goes to when a beautiful woman is found in a like sketchy area it's like oh she clearly deserved what she got so pos man Ugh, right (laughs) the department had a requirement that detectives traveling out of town to confront suspected criminals go as a team so Foote waited until another detective had to make such a trip to the suburbs of Washington. He got the detective to agree to take him along as a partner. Together, they made the hour and a half drive to Frederick to visit Jones in person. I just imagine him trying to run away. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why did I just get a vision... I'm not going to say anything because then we'll get canceled. (laughs) We believe in bullying, guys, as long as the person that's being bullied is an actual piece of shit. And then you lose all rights to not be bullied. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to. That's just our opinions. Some people need to be humbled. (laughs) Especially siblings. Yep. Mm -hmm. Especially rapists and murderers. Siblings are on that and siblings, <laughs> rapists, on the murderers, bottom, and but siblings deserve to be humble. <laughs> oh my <sighs> god! Foot had called Jones earlier that day to see if he would be available. The detective kept it vague. He just said he was investigating an incident in Miami that had happened during the boat show and confirmed that Jones had been working there. On the phone, Jones was polite and forthcoming. He said he'd been in Miami at the time and that he would be available to meet with Foot, and gave him directions to the ballpark. Jones was a massive man. <laughs> in case it was unclear. <laughs> The man we are investigating <laughs> was a massive was man. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Tall, wide, and powerful, with long arms and big hands, and a great round belly. 
god. I mean, he's painting a picture, which is what yeah, a writer does. But a... <laughs> I think I got the picture long ago. <laughs> if the picture was a horse, it would be six feet under <laughs> half an hour ago. Uh, Man. That was... <laughs> his size was intimidating, but his manner was exceedingly soft-spoken and gentle, even passive. Bitch, he really was bringing Bibles to the f- donations oh, there. Oh, God. Just like, Please. Yeah, God. Oh, he no. wore clear-rimmed glasses and spoke in a friendly way. Jones was in charge of the operation at the food counter and appeared to be respected and well-liked by his busy employees. He was wearing an apron. He steered foot and the other detective away from the booth to a picnic area just outside the stadium. As Foot recalled it later... He asked Jones about meeting women in Miami, and Jones said he had, quote, hooked up once. The detective asked him to describe her. I cannot avoid commentating on the next (laughs) paragraph so that nobody says we're being racist. We're just literally reading the article. (laughs) Him. <laughs> the detective asked him to describe her. Quote, I only have sex with white women, Jones said. Foote asked if he had had sex with anyone at the airport regency, and Jones said no. He said that the woman he had had sex with in Miami had been working at the boat show and that they had hooked up elsewhere. Any blonde women? Foot asked. No. For an accent? Jones said the woman he had had sex with in Miami had been German. Foot was not making Jones as a suspect. The big man acted convincingly like someone with nothing to hide. The detective was freezing in the evening air. Foot, get it together. <laughs> Foot preferred coming right to the point. He was not given to artful interrogation. Besides, he felt more and more as if the trip had been a waste of time. So he just asked what he wanted to know. Look, I've got a girl who was raped that week. Did you have anything to do with it? No, of course not, said Jones, appropriately shocked by the question. No way. You didn't beat the shit out of this girl and leave her for dead in a field down there? Oh, no. No. Are you willing to give me a DNA specimen? Foot asked. Jones promptly said he would, further convincing the detective that this was not the guy. Do the guilty volunteer conclusive evidence? Foot produced the DNA kit had Jones signed the consent form and ran a cotton swab inside Jones's mouth. He called Brennan when he got back. I'm telling you, Ken, this ain't the guy, he said. No, man, he's definitely the fucking guy, said Brennan, who flew up to Frederick himself, traveling with his son, and spent time over a three-day period talking to Jones, who continued to deny everything. Months later, the DNA results came back. Brennan got a call from Foote. You ain't gonna believe this, said Foote. What? 
you were right. Jones's DNA was a match. Man. Wow. Interesting, interesting. She says he's Hispanic, Romanian. He says she's German. They're uh-huh. all a little confused. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> but the one thing we aren't confused about is that he was a large... <laughs> a 300-pound black man with glasses. In case it was unclear. He was mass. <laughs> oh, my... That was... Oh, God. Gosh. Brennan flew up to Frederick in October to meet Foot, who arrested the big man. Like <laughs> <laughs> fucking God. How many other synonyms we, to, like... <laughs> if we had had to do a shot every time this was in here, we'd be dead now. We would be dead. We'd be fucked up. <laughs> but you all can do it. Maybe we'll add that at the beginning. <laughs> hear a word <laughs> that is a synonym of big if you are not Please afraid of alcohol poisoning yes <laughs> oh it had been 11 months since he took the case foot formally charged jones with a variety of felonies that encompass the acts of raping kidnapping and beating a young woman severely <sighs> the accused sat forlornly right forlornly Forlorn. <laughs> That's such a weird uh, um, word. I'm, again, I'm bad with R's. That's okay. Forlorn. Forlornly. Yes. Yeah, I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> in a chair that looked tiny under his bulk. And then, can you say that one? Austere. In an austere Federic Police Department interrogation room. Great rolls of fat falling on his lap under an enormous Baltimore Ravens t-shirt. He repeatedly denied everything in a surprisingly soft voice peculiar for such a big man. Ugh, that is, that's kind of creepy. That, you know, because, yeah, ugh, I, don't know. I don't like that. That is, that's creepy. Gesturing broadly with both hands, protesting but never growing angry, and insisting that he would never, ever, under any circumstances, do such a thing to a woman. He said that he, quote-unquote, never had any problems paying women for sex and that he, quote-unquote, did not get a kick out of hurting women. He did admit, once the DNA test irrevocably linked him to the victim, that he had had sex with her, but insisted that she was a hooker. That he had paid her $100 and that when he left her, she was in fine shape, although very drunk. They showed him pictures of her battered face taken the day she was found. Did she fall out of the fucking window? Oh, now I'm confused. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I mean... I don't know. Yeah, this is... I have no idea where this is going ah. at this point. I did not hurt that girl, Joan said, pushing the photos away, his voice rising to a whine. I'm not violent. I never hit a fucking woman in my whole fucking life. I'm not going to hurt her. Hmm. Brennan asked him why a man would roll his suitcase out to the parking lot and stash it in his car at five in the morning, two days before he checked out of the hotel. I couldn't remember if we were leaving the day, if we were leaving that day or the next day. I wasn't sure. For some reason, I thought, fuck it, it's time to go. Uh, but you came back. Mm, Yeah. Doesn't make sense. 
Brennan was able to trip Jones up with only one small thing. Jones said that his suitcase had only his clothes, shoes, and a video game in it. But when the detective noted the extra tug Jones had needed to get it off the elevator, Jones suddenly remembered that he had had a number of large books in it as well. What did I say? (laughs) He said he was an avid reader. Oh my god. Genevieve. When Brennan asked him to name some of the books that he had read, Jones could not. He could not name a single title. Okay, I'm calling bullshit then that he was an avid reader because... To kill a mockingbird, babe. Yes. That literally just... Yeah, I I would call myself an avid reader and I remember the titles. I... Can't Author, remember forgive me. Can't remember my kids' birthdays, but goddamn it, I remember the title of a book I read 14 years ago. Yes, but no, that's true. Yeah, it's just like weird things that get seared into your brain that are just there forever. And even if you were put on like the spot, you could again output a simple. Yeah, book. especially if you had just read them and that he couldn't name a single title. Like whatever one you were reading before you fell asleep that night. Like you should remember what that's or yeah. even describe the fucking plot of the book that you read. Like that's very telling to me. Hmm. But Jones was unfailingly compliant and his manner worked for him. Even with the DNA, the case against him was weak. He had ample reason for not having volunteered initially that he had paid a woman for sex. He had a prior arrest for solicitating a prostitute. So that wouldn't count against him. And if he had had sex with a victim, as he said, it would account for the DNA. The fact that Jones had willingly provided the sample spoke in his favor. In court, it would come down to his word against the young woman's, and she was a terrible witness. She had picked Jones out of a photo lineup, but given how foggy her memory of the night was and the fact that she had seen Jones before, unlike the other faces she was shown, it was hardly convincing evidence of his guilt. Her initial accounts of the crime were so much at odds with Brennan's findings that even Foote found himself wondering who was telling the truth. Mm -mm. Miami prosecutors ended up settling with Jones, who, after being returned to Miami, pleaded guilty to sexual assault in return for having all of the more severe charges against him dropped. He was sentenced to two years in prison, an outcome that Brennan would have found very disappointing if it had been the end of the story. It was not. Thank fucking God. I was going to say, two years? Brennan never doubted that Jones was a rapist. And given what he had observed, first on the surveillance video and then after meeting him in person, he was convinced that sexual assault was Jones's pastime. Oh, God. This ain't a one-fucking-time deal, Brennan told Foote. I'm telling you, this is this guy's thing. He's got a job that sends him all over the country. Watch him on that video. He's slick, nonchalant. He's too cool, too calm. You'll see it when you put his DNA into the system. The system is the combined DNA index system. Us true crime people know it as CODIS. And just anybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
anybody. You know? But when I hear, it's not one of those things now as like a true crime fan mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, I know what that is. is and I feel smart now. CODIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, have you checked CODIS? Yeah. Like you should really check CODIS. It's kind of dumb that you didn't check CODIS. Bitches who know, no. Those who don't, don't. The FBI administered database now has well over 8 million DNA offender profiles. That's Jesus. disgusting. Why are there so many pieces of shit walking this earth? Local, state, and federal law enforcement officials routinely enter DNA samples recovered from convicts and from the scenes and victims of unsolved crimes. And over the years, the system has electronically matched more than 100,000 of them, often reaching across surprising distances in place and time. It means that when a DNA sample exists, a case can never be classified as entirely cold. Michael Lee Jones had left a trail. The Miami-Dade police entered Jones's DNA into CODIS in late 2006, and several months later, which is how long it takes the FBI to double-check matches the system finds electronically, three new hits came up. Detective Terry Thrumston of the Colorado Springs Police Department Sex Crimes Unit had a rape and assault case that had been bugging her for more than a year. The victim was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman who had been picked up early in the morning on December 1st, 2005 by a stranger, a very large black man with glasses who had offered her a ride and then talked his way into her apartment and raped her, holding his hand tightly over her mouth. Thrumston had no leads, and the case sat for two years until DNA collected from the victim matched that of Michael Lee Jones. There were two victims in New Orleans. One of them, also a blonde, had been partying in the French Quarter a little too hard by her own admission, and very early on the morning of May 5, 2003, she had gone looking for a cab back to her hotel when a very large black man with glasses pulled his car over to the curb and offered her a ride. As she later testified, he drove her to a weedy lot and raped her. He pressed his large hand powerfully over her face as he attacked her, and she testified that she bit his palm so hard that she had bits of his skin and her teeth afterward. When he was finished, he drove off leaving her on the lot. She reported the rape to the New Orleans police, who filed her account and took the DNA samples from the rapist's semen. The case had sat until CODIS matched the specimen with Michael Lee Jones. The other New Orleans victim told a similar tale, but failed to pick Jones's face out of a photo lineup. Wow. Whoa. Jones, it turns out, had been in both Colorado Springs and New Orleans on the dates in question. So in 2008, as his Florida sentence drew to a close, he was flown to Colorado Springs to stand trial. It was a novel prosecution because the Colorado woman, who had died in the interim, of causes unrelated to the crime. As a result, Deputy District Attorney Brian Cecile Cecil 
Yeah, I don't know. It could be either way. Had no victim to put on the stand. Oh, that's sad that she died. Yeah. Instead, he fashioned a case out of two of the other rapes, calling as witnesses the Miami victim and one of the New Orleans victims, both of whom supplemented the DNA evidence by pointing out Jones as their attacker in the courtroom. Cecile argued that their cases showed a common plan, scheme, or design that was as much Jones's signature as his trail of semen. Oh, Ew, I didn't like fuck. that. No, Mark. Mark. <laughs> the New Orleans victim proved to be a very effective witness. Her memory was clear and her statements emphatic. The outrage still evident six years later. Along with her chagrin at the poor judgment she had displayed that night the miami victim on the other hand was every bit as bad on the stand as the miami prosecutors had feared oh man one of jones's lawyers made much of the different stories she had told police her struggles with english further confused matters Uh, can somebody get her a fucking translator like i don't understand jones pleaded not guilty to all charges in the colorado case He argued through his lawyers, he did not testify, that the sex had been consensual. Mm. Okay. And that the woman claiming rape had been a prostitute. Um, okay. Okay, we're not even going to comment. Not even going to touch that one. Yeah, because if if you're wondering, um, then you shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. But where jurors in Colorado might have been able to accept two prostitutes in different states at different times unaccountably filing rape charges after turning a trick, and in both cases immediately describing their attacker as a huge black man with glasses, they clearly choked on a third. There was no evidence that any of the victims were prostitutes, and then, of course, there was DNA. And if they were sex workers, it would not matter it doesn't matter what your job is it doesn't matter who you are if you don't want sex and it's not consensual it is rape exactly yeah michael lee jones is serving what amounts to a life sentence at the fremont correctional facility in colorado he received a term of 24 years to life for one count of sexual assault with force and 12 years to life for the second count of felonious sexual contact He is 38 years old and will not be eligible for his first parole hearing until 2032. The state estimates his term will last until he dies. His Miami victim won a $300,000 settlement from the hotel and the hotel's security company. Seems like not nearly enough, but... But I'm glad she got something. Yeah, at least it was something. fuck those suits for wanting to just push it out of their Absolutely. Ken Brennan is back doing his private detective work in Miami. He is enormously proud of the efforts that have locked Jones away as he should have because there are many Mm -hmm. times when they could have walked away from that case when he was given pushback. 100%. Mm -hmm. Quote, the cases they got him on, they're just the tip of the iceberg, he predicted. Once other jurisdictions start checking their DNA files on cases when this guy was at large, I guarantee you they will find more, quote. And so far, his hunches have been pretty good. Damn. Wow. I really enjoyed that case 
because the victim survived yes like it was yeah first off blind read which i enjoy every time that we have done this Mm -hmm. but for her to like i i I like a survival story yeah i'm i could read any story with brennan i know like he is addictive yes and i god i hope that the two women that survived those assaults are doing well Mm -hmm. and have a support system yes and man fuck the people (sighs) that want to call the victims like not even just like just they were they were (sighs) maybe if they were prostitutes we can get a, a lesser like you know say it was less of a crime that's exactly what they tried to argue what his defense team tried to argue and that's i this is in the mid 20 not even 2010s it was like or was it maybe by the time he was tried i don't know it doesn't fucking matter it's within the last handful of decades so like what are we even doing y'all are just mad some people get paid to spread their legs (laughs) (laughs) and you don't yeah because i would definitely like if i could get paid (laughs) technically i do get an allowance (laughs) because i don't get an allowance oh my god yeah that's my payment i mean but like sex work i fully believe that sex work should be treated just like any other other work it is work it i i don't want to get into all of it Mm -mm. now but maybe we could do an episode on the benefit like on the industry and the the dark history the the dark history, the opportunities for yes. it to be legalized and provide protection and regulation and mm-hmm. health screen, just like all of the things that help remove those layers of stigma, stigma. because there are there is stigma there because it's, you know, traditionally associated with seediness, criminality, drugs, partying, like, but that's such a lazy way of looking at an incredibly complex issue and regardless even if it wasn't as complex as it is you're still talking about human beings that have just as equal value of the the young suburban mom that got raped the senator that got assaulted the it their value is the same mm-hmm. because they are a living, breathing human being yep. and an innocent victim. And they're being damned for the things that we all do behind closed doors. Yep. And they happen to do it wide open. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, I don't know. That's what I wasn't intending to go on that bit of a tangent. But just those little comments throughout where it was basically like, well, but was she a prostitute? Like, but do we really think. And this you know, again kind of ties back to jennifer levin like, oh yeah who mm-hmm. cares yeah who cares if that she was sexually active assaulted yeah and raped mm-hmm. because you can be yeah um just because you are a prostitute yeah. does not mean that you deserve it yeah and in jennifer just because levin's you're a firefighter case, doesn't mean you deserve a fucking burn right and in jennifer levin's case just because you're a sexually active teenager you apparently according to robert chambers's defense team deserved to be strangled to death in the park 
like yeah it doesn't make sense what no. the actual fuck speaking of that um i genevieve will be going to new york city next week <laughs> I just stroked out by what you just said, but I realized it was your name. I was like, what the fuck did you just say? Look, I just had to ask you how to say so many words in this article. Um, My brain's gone. But I will be going to New York City for the very first time this week. And it is my full intention to visit some of the important locations uh, that we talked about when we covered our very first case, the Jennifer Levin case, which is really what, I don't know, like that, her life, her story, her case that will always hold a very special place in our hearts Mm -hmm. because of, I don't know. I. That's just one I feel so much passion towards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's just the best way I can describe it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, when I go um, and I'm in New York City, I hope to be able to go to a few of the places where some key points in the case uh, happened because, yeah, I just think it would be very, I don't know, sobering. And yeah. I, I hate saying the word like interesting or fascinating, but it just puts things that you read about into mm-hmm. a perspective and brings it into just like into how we reality. went through Mike and Debbie's case, the 1969 yeah. prom, mm-hmm. night murders, being able to visit their grave, grave site, visit. Oh, yeah. The, like, and mm-hmm. that is close to us, and mm-hmm. you get to go do that with another case is cool. Oh, yeah. we And we didn't even really talk about that much. And mm-hmm. you guys, um, if you are not following our Instagram, what are you doing? Go follow it right now. Camping is canceled because one of our uh, recent videos that we did um we actually got to visit several of the major sites uh that pertain to the 1969 Mascuda prom night murders case that we covered in two parts uh our for our last two episodes and that was very just sobering mm-hmm. and interesting and I would really like to be able to cover more local cases nobody like murder anybody or anything no, don't give no, no, us no. new cases Jesus. but <laughs> no but that's just another layer of being interested in true crime stories is not just reading about them and talking about them but getting to actually put your feet in places right. where things happened it I don't know it just keeps you always in a state where you're realizing that the world that victims live in killers live in the people in these stories it's no I mean it is our world we are all I don't know yes we're all together yep yeah i thoroughly enjoyed reading that so we'll be doing another one um 
at some other time for you guys. But be looking for some more spooky content dropping in your feed now that we're getting into spooky season. And like we already said, if you are not following us on Mm -hmm. Instagram, Mm -hmm. go do that. We are on Instagram and TikTok at Camping is Cancelled. Caitlin, anything else to add? No, I'm just going to go home and Google a lot of words that I said tonight that I've never heard before. Mm. And you did it so well. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't be here without Genevieve. (laughs) You're very welcome. My English major. And I wouldn't be here without my four and a half years at the university (laughs) I went to. Did you forget your school? (laughs) (laughs) I suddenly remembered it, but I did. I don't know. I guess it's fine for me to say it. I went to Anderson University. You're not there anymore. It's still there. No, no, you're not. (laughs) You're not. (laughs) No, I am not. Thank God. Okay, guys. Catch you back next week. Bye.